Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Um, the uh, the conservatives um, are, for the most part, what they call originalists, uh, who believe that the Constitution should be interpreted as the people who ratified it in the late 18th century understood the words to mean. And as um, the, Justice Alito's opinion says, um, there, there's, the Constitution doesn't mention abortion, so there's no right to abortion. That's the end of the story uh, to him. Um, other justices feel that uh, the Constitution has to be interpreted in light of how the society has changed and um, the, the sometimes described as a living constitution and uh, abortion rights was certainly Roe v. Wade and the decisions ratifying it certainly was a decision that was based on uh, a living conception of the constitution um, the the originalists are winning and uh, and thank goodness the originalists are winning that was jeffrey tubin over there at cnn this coming after the recognition 6-3 decision roe v wade has been overturned tony katz tony katz today guys so good to be with you i wanted to get to the pros william jacobson joins us right now uh cornell law professor of the mind behind legal insurrection dot com and the article you already have up uh from the alito majority opinion six three uh concurrent uh opinion from the chief justice we hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled. The Constitution makes no reference to abortion, and no such right is implicitly protected by any constitutional provision, including the one which the defenders of Roe and Casey now chiefly rely, the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment. Uh, let's talk about this decision, your take on it, and what it is that Alito, in, in, finally now that the, the real decision is out, what it is he is saying. Well, I think, you know, without comparing it word to word, it appears to be very similar to the leaked decision. So whoever the leaker was, uh, you know, I think it's clearly got to be, you know, some leftist clerk or something like that uh, who knew this was coming uh, and tried to interrupt it. Uh, you know, the decision, I don't think really is a huge surprise, you know, given the makeup of the Supreme Court, given um you know, the weakness of the original Roe opinion, where yeah, I think even Ginsburg and others acknowledged it was on shaky ground. And really, the, the argument that has been made is a political argument that we, you know, we like that decision. It's We politically agree with it, and therefore you should leave it alone because it's been there a long time. And now you have a Supreme Court that's willing to say that it was wrong. I think uh, Alito used the term it was egregiously wrong from the start. And the fact that it's been sitting there for 50 years doesn't make it something we can't look at again. So Let me jump in really I quick, sir. It, talking to William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. It was wrong. And, and, and I uh, argue this in my own way about a usurpation of states' rights. Did they discuss why it is wrong? Why was Roe v. Wade wrongly decided 49 years ago? Right. Uh, first, let me say this whole thing with the decision and the concurring and the dissent. It's over 200 pages. I think I've read enough of it to understand it, but I haven't studied it in the hour since it came out. But I, I think, 
you know, basically they're saying there is no the Constitution is silent on a right to abortion for most of our country's existence until, you know, uh, middle 20th century. Um, it wasn't even really nobody even considered that this would be a constitutional right. There's nothing in the language. And this is simply something that the court in 1973 made up. So I, I think what he's saying is that this was something that had been left to the state process, to the democratic process, to the political process. And the court was wrong to take it away because there's no historical basis. There's no basis in the language of the Constitution. There's no basis in the writings of the people who wrote the Constitution. There's no basis for most of our existence as a country uh, to recognize such a constitutional right, a federal constitutional right, as opposed to a state-based political right or state-based constitutional right to you know, have an abortion. So uh, that, I think, is basically saying this was wrong to take the issue away from the states and away from the political process. So now we get into some of where this dissent is. And I've been reading a little bit of it from Kagan, from Sotomayor, and from Breyer. And they wrote this together, certainly not as, as has been noted, unprecedented, but uh, un, un, unusual. Um, the dissenters write, whatever the exact scope of the coming laws, one result of today's decision is certain. The curtailment of women's rights and of their status as free and equal citizens. I find myself tremendously bothered by uh, commentaries like this and, and by uh, specifically Sotomayor, but Breyer and Kagan when they join in, because the argument they seem to be making is not one of the uh, constitutionality of the law, but rather of the cultural significance of decisions being overturned. There's been a lot of pressure put on the Supreme uh, Court justices. Am I wrong in, in making the assumption, the declaration, actually, that the court is not supposed to be subject to the whims of the people or of the mob outside their actual door? Well, I, I think, in, you know, in theory, that's right. And the reality is it's how you get on the court is an intensely political process. You're nominated by a president and you're confirmed by a, the Senate and totally political process. But the hope is that once you are on there, that you can leave those politics aside. But we know that that's not true. You know, they're human beings. They're subject to the political process. But I think this time it's gone to a level we've really not seen with protests literally at their doorsteps, with threats, uh, with an attempted assassination uh, of somebody who showed up at Kavanaugh's house with a gun intending to kill him, but was dissuaded by the presence of federal marshals. So this is highly unusual. Yes. So I think the notion that the judges can ignore politics is great. You'd like to think it could happen. But the reality is, I think it always they always feel those pressures. You'll remember back with Obamacare, I, it's hard to know whether this is confirmed, but it was repeatedly reported by people who claim to know Justice Roberts was going to be part of the what uh, would have been conservative majority overturning Obamacare. And because of a pressure campaign, including by Obama and by the Democrats, reportedly switched his vote. And so they are subject to these sort of pressures, particularly the pressures the Democrats use, which is it's going to delegitimize the court. You're going to damage the court forever. And somebody like Chief Justice Roberts, who has a particular concern for the court's 
reputation in society is susceptible to that sort of pressure. And that's always been his problem, that he is desperate not to politicize the court, yet he is the one who has done it most. Let's move into now the part two, where people believe that this overturning means abortion is illegal in the United States. It's not. It goes back to the state. So a lot of this is a state's rights uh, conversation. What it, What are the... The, the subjects, what are the decisions now facing states uh, across the country? Well, I think most states have probably already made up their minds. There are many states which have incorporated essentially Roe v. Wade into state law and gone beyond that. New York, California, I think have certainly New York have essentially protected uh, a woman's ability to terminate a pregnancy up until you know birth. Uh, and other states will go that way. So I, I don't think it's going to change a lot of minds. I think that uh, state laws which would severely limit or even prohibit abortion, which have been on hold, will now become effective. But the, I think everybody knows what the landscape is going to be. There's going to be a very limited number of states where there's a you know pretty substantial crackdown on abortion. There is going to be a larger number of states which have already announced they're going to become tourist uh, destinations for abortion. Uh, New York, California, I think Connecticut have already said they're going to uh, use their state funds to bring women to their states to have abortions. And uh, whether a state could prohibit someone from traveling to do that is probably not the case. I mean, Justice Kavanaugh, who is in the majority here in his concurring decision, said that he does not think that prohibiting a woman from traveling, say, from Mississippi to New York uh, to have an abortion is something that a state can do. So I think you'll see those battles working out. But I think we all know what the result is going to be. In a majority of states, abortion will be freely available, in some cases way beyond what anybody ever imagined. And there will be funding for women from states where it's not readily available to travel to get it. I think that's probably how it'll it'll work out. Uh, one of uh, the people I I work with from WIBC, Eric Berman, the chief political correspondent, uh, talking about Clarence Thomas, uh, Supreme Court Justice, uh, saying that this decision on on overturning Roe v. Wade should uh, bring the court to reconsider these other precedents that rely on due process. So going back to the 14th Amendment, uh, the Obergefell decision and the Griswold uh, decision, which is about uh, states not banning uh, contraception. Um, Do you believe that that's going to be, does does this decision now open the door? And do you believe that we'll start seeing those cases try and get argued in front of the Supreme Court? Well, whether somebody tries is one question. I, I don't think they'll succeed. Uh, Kavanaugh, again, who was part of this majority, already put right in his opinion that those cases, um, this does not call into question those cases. So I, I, I don't think they would have a majority, even with the Supreme Court, to, to go that the rest of that way. So I don't, I don't see that as a possibility. That's not to say someone can't try. Of course, people can try whatever they want to try. But uh, at least one of the justices in the majority explicitly said he would not go along with that. And my guess is that they would not have a majority to do that, even if one or two wanted to. Before I let you go, uh, William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, uh, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. 
um, the the this whole uh, conversation uh, was was this whole fight, if you will, uh, comes from a, a very interesting place, and it was uh, the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, who who brought this up that the court in deciding Roe went too far at the time. They never had to go this far. It never had to be this wide-reaching. Did she have a point? Meaning, if the court had simply decided to, on a very minimal level, leave leave open the the right to an abortion and not gone for for breadth, but rather just a, 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 could there have been a simple decision that it just would remain and we wouldn't be engaged in this today? Well, I think that's possibly true, because one of the interesting things that a lot of people have pointed out, when the Supreme Court ruled on same-sex marriage, public opinion had already shifted. It never shifted on abortion. And so when the Supreme Court ruled, yes, there were some people who, on whatever their grounds, objected to it. But public opinion had already shifted on that. Society had already changed. Whereas with abortion, it was right down the middle of the country when it happened and it never changed. And that's really one of the amazing things is that despite the passage of time, if anything, uh, the decision has become more controversial as opposed to same-sex marriage where it's really not a controversy anymore. And that's because public opinion was already shifting. William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us so quickly uh, after the decision coming out. Uh, Stay here. More to come. I'm Tony Katz.